Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Happy hump day, everybody. How in the world are you doing? Great to have you with us wherever you're listening. If you're listening on the radio, what's up on the radio? If you're uh, watching on Zone TV, then hey to everybody. Lonzo says, good afternoon. Blaine and Mickey, good afternoon to you. Cousin Tower says, good afternoon, fam. So we're, we're, we're part of the fam. I like that, too. I like hearing all that. Appreciate the participation there. Uh, been getting a lot of phone calls this week on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline, and we love that, too, 615 615- Seven three seven one zero four five. No Titans practice today, so we can't tell you what Julio Jones didn't do or anything oh, like man. that. So we just got to make up stuff then. Uh, just like go. a regular day. <laughs> <laughs> See what you did well, there. We got, we, we got to come up with something. Up. I mean, like every day. Uh, yeah, you know, it's like every day. Uh, Brable was not at practice today. He's not. Yeah, because he, he's still in COVID, So, but he was not at practice. But he was on Zoom. As I understand, uh, Tannehill said he was picking up an intensity via Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that true, Lucas? That's the word. He is making his presence felt. Oh my, making his presence felt via Zoom. Man, I, I would I would get uh, reprimanded if I tried to you know you know via Zoom uh, get uh, the show pumped up. They're like, hey man, you're yelling, huh? What? I'm getting psyched. I'm getting pumped up. So I guess it's different perspectives, different views. You could do kind of what you want. I guess the coach is okay, though, right? Because he's, he's supposed to get him pumped up. He sets the tone, you know? He, he sets, sets the tone, the tone. on Zoom. Oh, so that, okay. that's what he's doing, so yeah. We, we can't do that on the radio? You can set the tone. Set oh. the tone, oh, man. Okay. No one's stopping It gets perceived somehow like I'm yelling. <laughs> like, I do turn it up a notch on my volume. Well, you turn it up a notch. I get pumped up in sight because I can't wait for some football. I can't wait till regular season. See how I just pumped up? And that's yelling. But with Vrabel, I don't <laughs> think it's about volume. I think it's just about aura. Oh, oh, see, see, y'all get caught up in this aura. What aura is that? I don't know. You can't explain it. We, uh, aura. Every well, head I mean, coach did have aura. aura. That's not something you just explained. It's yeah, aura. It's supernatural. It's not physical. Uh, you can't pin it down. And so it comes with the territory it, because of the position you are? Is it the mustache? Is it because he's no. a big guy? Like, what, what contributes to Vrabel's? Hand us up with this. If you're in the chat, does Mike Vrabel have an aura? And what makes the aura? <laughs> or you can call us. Seriously. At Blaine and Mickey, maybe we'll just put this out as a poll question. What? Yeah, yeah Lucas. What all is Mike Vrabel's aura comprised of? Maybe like that's aura? Aura. 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 He got an aura. Ad. It is an R in his name. Aura. 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 <laughs> now, it's funny. Not aura. I, I, aura? You know, I could take it down a level and make it, you know, <laughs> uh, horrible to listen to. But yeah. Aura. aura. <laughs> now, I don't even know how to say it. Aura. Yeah. Look at oh my! Please, someone call in and help Mickey pronounce. I'm in my own head now. Um, yeah, yeah. So Lucas has literally he's well, he's supposed to be our he's you disappeared. Know. He's our show linguist. Yeah, I know he's kind of disappeared on us, man. Maybe it's the aura that's gotten him. It's A U R A, right? Oh my! We didn't ask you how to spell, spell it. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also the show's resident speller. I won my eighth grade spelling bee. So if you ever oh, need that, oh, did you? Oh, I almost oh, won the entire eight, school spelling bee and missed the word midget. And I was about three foot six oh, at the time. Uh, <laughs> I just spell mm. it M I D J E T. I'll M-I-D. never forget it. And no. I knew how to spell. It. This was like seventeen rounds in. The person before me got like. Super califragilisticexpialidocious and spelled it right, and then I got midget, and I thought I'm about to cash oh, this check. Nail this, oh, and my. I misspelled it. Well, oh my! Well, what was your winning? What did you, uh, oh, uh, Lucas? When you come back and get in the phone, he's somebody's probably calling to help Mickey out here. 
the pronunciation. Terry is on the line. Uh, By the way, I'm going to tweet this out from Blaine and Mickey. Does Mike Grable <laughs> have an aura? aura? But I want to know what was the winning word that Lucas had to spell uh, to win the spelling bee. We, we've all done a lot of different things. I always talk about, you know, swimming and I was on the chess team, so I'm very proud of that. Uh, you know, my counter moves and my thought process trying to be stay a step ahead of the time. I, you know, that's probably why I wanted to get into to coaching. It's well, it's not the ones, it's not the words you remember that won you the spelling bee. It's the ones that lost you the spelling bee. Oh, so oh. I won my school spelling bee, and I have no idea what word it was that won it. But I remember I finished third in the county spelling bee because I got romaine wrong, as in romaine lettuce. I think there's I left a J out. in there, isn't there? There's no, no. There's no J. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of Rebecca, Rebecca Romaine. Rebecca Romaine has a J in her name. Oh, it looks yeah. like Romaine. Well, he said salad, not Romaine. Like 12, 13 year old me did not have Rebecca Romaine in my head. I had I had lettuce in my head, but I spelled oh, it wrong. My. Oh, it's my. So you say M A I N, right? E. There's an E at the end. Dang it. You definitely were not winning any spelling bees there, Mickey. That's for sure. But it's funny that you say that you only remember the words that you lost. Now, transform that is exactly like an athlete being that this is a sports talk radio is you only remember the plays that you did bad on. You don't really reminisce over the, oh, I did a great play there. You in your mind, you felt like that's the play I'm supposed to make. But the one that got you, it, it couldn't even, it, it could have been, you know, irrelevant. And I still won the game, but you're still sitting at the dinner table or a restaurant or whatever after the game pissed off about this one play that got you. you yeah, know? I mean, it's, we're, it's the same, Blaine. Like yeah, yeah. eighth grade me losing the spelling bee is like all pro safety Blaine Bishop, you know, it's the same in the AFC championship. It's yeah. the same, yeah, same yeah, concept. If the concept is, though, that you're driven, that you're, you're motivating yourself to be better the next time regardless of what are you doing, it's a mindset. And some people have it and some people don't. Some people would have walked away from, you know, uh, getting third, like, ah, you know, hey, that happens sometimes. No, you were reveling that, oh, man, I'm pissed. I should have got first. I should have got that word right. It was the end of my spelling <laughs> career, though. I retired after that. Oh, you retired after getting third? Oh, man. I would have been third. I'm like, I'm coming back. I'm getting first next year. I did that. I, I was just telling you guys in there, I got, you know, eighth in the in the hundred in high school my junior year. And then I said, oh, I'm coming back. And I made it back my senior year. I was like, oh, man, I Here know I'm go. getting top three now for yeah. sure. Boom. Eighth. <laughs> <laughs> Two years in a row. There are eight lanes. <laughs> you know, then, you know, your mom or your aunt or somebody, your friends, be like, hey, man, there you go. at least you made it to the finals again. No, nah, man, that ain't good. Enough. That's not good enough, man. I'm pissed right now. I got smoked. Soon they said, bang, I'm still in my blocks two years in a row. I was like, this is horrible. Do you remember, though, like, did the guy who won go on and, like, win the Olympics or something? Because a lot of times you nah. tell these stories, like, the guy who beat you or came out on top, you're like, you might remember him as – and it's like some guy who played seven years in the NBA or something. Well, I, I can't say, you know, my high school teammate, he, uh, Chris Huffins, who who ran in the uh, 96 Olympics, but as a decathlon, he went to okay, Purdue, but, Purdue and Cal Berkeley. He okay. went to two different colleges, <laughs> and uh, he, he he got third. So <laughs> <laughs> He was third. He was an Olympic-level athlete. Right, right. But, I mean, he, I don't know what he ran. He might have, I don't know. He got third. I don't know what he ran. He might have ran like a 10-5 or something. I was more in the 10-7 range. You're saying that like that's a bad thing. <laughs> well, I'm just, I got eighth. That's, it was on that day. But there's the I eight was best guys in, But I would tend to look at it like, you're one of the eight best guys in the whole state of Indiana. Yeah, that, would, that was not how I was feeling. I know. That was not. Even if the, <laughs> Cathedral called me the other day and said, hey, man, did you have any records for track? I said, 
No, man. I got I got last in everything <laughs> in the finals. Long no, job. You made the finals. No, that's the it doesn't in count. NCAA, it does if not you make count. it to the final eight, you're an All American. Yeah, well, I did. This was high school. All state then. Yeah, I was. Yeah, but well, no. you all state. Yeah, that was not good enough in my <laughs> my mind. It's never. So I should have did what what Lucas did. Just quit and don't do it anymore. And that's exactly what happened. No, I did not. I ran indoor track in college. Only, only, I made sure I only ran 55 meters or 60 meters. Well, that's usually, and people are still, me, still getting beat. I was like, whoa, these people are fast. Somebody asked me once, like, why is that the indoor? I said, because most of the time the track's not that long. Yeah. That's as far, that's all the room they got in your gym upstairs yeah. to run. It's well, 400, then you're running the multiple laps around in the indoor. So it's right. totally different mechanism than outdoors. But uh, outdoors, we, you know, we had spring ball, so. Couldn't miss spring ball, but indoors I try to you know keep up my speed while I'm getting gaining strength and and muscle at the same time. So yeah, I thought it. Was, and then I was oh you're going to get points for our team, grave or yee yah yee yay I got you points. Yeah, I got last place, man. Yeah, you guys are welcome. <laughs> like I was really thrilled with that. <laughs> last place and give you points. The the great athlete stories though, and you might have been somebody that they did this with, although you. The way nah, you talk about I your high school. I don't know if you talk about great. <laughs> the, the way you talk about, like you were there, Sean Woods was there, played at Kentucky. There were some great yeah, athletes basketball. there. Mm-hmm. But there are all these stories from like these smaller schools where you have the one super athlete and you just take like that dude to the district track meet and he wins three things. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's like he just goes and does the long jump and he wins and stuff like that. But there were stories like that about guys in Arkansas and everywhere you go. The coach just takes a guy to the district track meet, and right. he basically he gets enough points to win. He wins by himself. Mm-hmm. And we had a guy, Alex Shell, who was a hurdler at Arkansas State, who if he would have focused on, probably could have made at least the Olympic team. But he just decided his senior year he wanted to play football, mm. so he just played football at Arkansas State. He'd really he didn't really never, and he made he made it to the last round of cuts with the Giants, and he played like ten years of arena football. But he would get to track meets. Like, he'd say he was hurt, he couldn't train all week. My ankle's not feeling good, coach. And they'd unload him at, you know, a track meet. A track meet, this was, oh, gosh, like Southland Conference back in the day. And that dude would go win four or five events at a Division One track meet without even training. Wow. And I know and it wasn't. And I definitely was that guy. I was not that dude. <laughs> that dude could fly. He could fly. Uh, so, if you're one of those dudes, we salute you. <laughs> I was happy I had a high jump 6'4". I was like, yeah, But that's taller than you are. It doesn't matter, dudes. is winning like a 6'8", 6'10". There's just like, freaks oh, out you got there. us some points, man. Please, man. Get out of here, man. These guys are high flyers, man. All right, people weighing in on this. Uh, how do you spell that? A-R-R-A. Uh, Andrew says it's his voice and body language. Cousin Brian says Braves just Brable. seems like when you're with him, you want to go to war with him. Ooh. Mike Otto says aura. And cousin Brian just says A U R A, which is what it is. So we'll ask this question: Is this simple enough? Does Mike Vrabel have an aura? Do you guys like the aura? Yeah, aura. Lucas, you go with and that. I say yes, he does. He has an R in his last name. He does, Vrabel. <laughs> All right, that's tweeted out, so you can jump in there at Blaine and Mick. You can vote if Mike Vrabel has an aura. Aura. Dang it! Now I'm I'm completely turned around. <laughs> oh, you overthinking it? Okay, Dan Harrelson. He has an aura of Vols knowledge. He will join us next as we talk with the uh, man from Vols Wire on Blaine and Mickey 1045 The Zone. Aura. Blaine and Mickey 1045 The Zone. This. Uh, Sound of the Rolling Stones there, the drum stylings of one Mr. 
Charlie Watts, who left this earth yesterday at 80 years young, a life beautifully well-lived, um, all style and class. You think about it, this dude was basically riding a bus his whole life with Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. Oh. And, and he was just the most cool, calm, collected customer. And uh, I had a, a drummer friend send me this about Charlie Watts. And this, this is from a, a fellow drummer, my friend Kyle. And he said this about Charlie. The thing about Charlie is he grooved. And his pocket meandered unlike anyone else. Closest is Jim Keltner, but he was one of a kind for sure, talking about Charlie Watts. The Stones have the most odd dynamic to the band. If you listen at any time to what any one of them is playing, you think, how does that match what anybody else is playing? It's like none of what they play matches anything that anybody else is playing, and yet when you listen to it all together, it's just perfect. But uh, rest in power, Charlie Watts. I saw the Stones multiple times, and every time I was blown away, and uh, Evan sure got a heck of a drummer. Uh, but uh, appreciate Lucas playing some Stones so I could give a little tribute to a guy that I looked up to and I loved his music and uh, just never, certainly never got to meet him, but uh, somebody musically I always looked up to. Dan Harrelson joins us now. Dan, uh, I don't care what age you are. Everybody's got a favorite Rolling Stones song. So let's start with that. Favorite song by the Rolling Stones. Oh man, I'm I'm not good on uh, names of songs. <laughs> you are you are correct. We're we're, we're just losing too many, uh, just iconic people. Whether it's in music, sports, whatever, it's just uh, I didn't realize he was still uh, going at it. I guess up until what last year. Yeah, and he had recently, they all have social media now, and he'd recently put on social media. He said, my timing's a little off for the first time ever. They mentioned that he had some kind of, they made it sound like a very small illness and that he would rejoin them on the tour, and unfortunately, uh, it never happened. Um, But no one really knew about the severity of this illness, obviously. But uh, again, a a big, big loss for the music community. Yeah, he he was, what, 81, I guess? 80 years old, yeah. 80 or 80, okay. Yeah, I mean, 80, 81, uh, st- was still getting the job done. All right, well, let's let's talk Vols with the guy who's the managing editor for Vols Wire, Dan Harrelson. We won't quiz you on Stone songs anymore. Uh, I-, I wanted to start with this just because I'm curious to get your thoughts. You cover an SEC school every day. Blaine and I haven't really had a chance to talk about this much, but this alliance with the Big uh, Ten and the ACC and the Pac-12, basically, why not just go and get T-shirts made that said, hey, SEC, we hate you. Because there's nothing in writing. They're just saying we're going to work on some scheduling stuff and we're big on sportsmanship. And I, I, I've read as much of that as I could get through without just saying, why am I reading this? But curious to get your thoughts and how ultimately this might affect, even down the road, Tennessee or the SEC. Yeah, I watched that joint press conference yesterday with the commissioners from the Pac 12, ACC, and the Big Ten. And Look, I mean, there was really a press conference about nothing. Nothing signed, uh, but you are correct. It just seemed like, okay, we have a verbal agreement to try to appease all three of our conferences after the news of Texas and Oklahoma jumping ship and going to the SEC. But they also stated that this alliance was not formed in regards to Texas and Oklahoma leaving but then again, it comes right after the news that they're coming to the SEC. So, you know, not much information yesterday. Let's see if anything actually transpires for this so-called alliance. 
I don't think it's good. Uh, I think if you were the the Big Ten or, or the Pac-12 and the ACC, it, you try to get some schools in uh, that, that bring a little bit to the table, maybe like a Kansas or, or a West Virginia in certain sports, and just add to your existing conference right now, maybe from a scheduling aspect, uh, you can get future games, which a lot of these conferences, they already play each other in football and other sports. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I just think that the, the press conference was uh, much to do about nothing. Nothing was actually said. But you are uh, correct in the way you, you said it. It's, it's pretty much just a shot at the SEC after the news of Texas and OU jumping ship to join the conference. Yeah, Dan Harrelson joins us, managing editor for Volswire here on Blaine and Mickey. Yes, Dan, I, you know, to the, you know, the Vols, and, and that is, have they decided on who's their starting five offensive linemen yet to protect who to be determined a quarterback? I think they have. I think they're probably still trying to, to figure everything out as far as they're too deep. I would be shocked at this point, especially the, as much work as that we have seen at left tackle with Darnell Wright. Basically going from right tackle to, to left tackle, I think Darnell having as many reps as he has had during this fall training camp uh, and replacing a guy like Dane Davis because Dane Davis throughout spring and the summer, that's basically all we heard about was Dane Davis finally getting that scholarship back in December and he's elevated on the, the depth chart and he's really improved but now when it push comes to shove you're you're getting ready for this season we see that switch for darnell Wright, who's lost a lot of weight he's kind of taking that baby fat and put some muscle on him i was actually shocked about the move but uh, uh i i guess we're going to see him at left tackle for that bowling green game and see how it goes but left guard i think you'll see jerome carvin there at the center spot Looks like Cooper Mays has that spot. And then right guard, Javantes Spragans, and then Cade Mays at right tackle. Cade can play any position on the offensive line. I think they like him at right tackle just because with this offensive scheme, with this running game, you do see a lot of counter and dive plays to the right side on the outside in Josh Heupel's offense. So I think they like their best offensive linemen to be at that spot, I know it kind of sounds crazy because you would pretty much want your best offensive lineman usually at that left tackle spot, but I think they feel really good about Cade Mays and the scheme on the on the right tackle spot. Man, well, you're talking about the running game. Which running back do you think fits the hypo offense more so? And that's multiple. You know, he's got to be a pass catcher as well as a runner. Uh, who do you think fits best or who will get opportunities there uh, at least early in the season? Yeah, I, I think with the offensive uh, scheme, going back to that with, with the running backs, what Hypo likes to do, I, I just think it's going to be somewhat of a running back by committee because that's what he's done throughout his stops at Missouri and UCF and now Tennessee. So you, you look at a guy like Tyon Evans, I think he could be – uh, a number one type back is or Jabari Small also, but I, I think Jabari can actually be that utility guy like Otis Anderson was at UCF where you can have him run through the tackles 
and also put him in different spots uh, on the field and really use him in both the run and the passing game. I think Jalen Wright, I, I think he brings a lot of speed. I think you're going to see him in that utility spot also. And, uh, Alex Goldish talked today, actually, and, and mentioned Jalen Wright, that he still has a little bit learning to do. He, he is a freshman, so maybe he's hitting that freshman wall a little bit in the playbook. We'll see what how much reps he gets in this first game. But I think Jalen Wright, as the season goes on, I think he's only going to be uh, added value for this offense. But uh, I really like the running back core. Jabari Small, like I mentioned, Tyon Evans, the Juco. T. Hodge, another one, a bigger type back. Uh, he's only going to add pretty good depth to this lineup. And then D. Beckwith, we'll see what he can do with a bigger body also. Man, D. Beckwith, it seems like, man, you got to find a way to put him somewhere. I don't know if it's a running back, but that big and that strong and that fast, eventually at some point you got to get on the football field. But speaking of big and maybe even fast, but we always want to know about the big arm, why hasn't the starting quarterback been announced? We all know who it is, right, or do we not? Yeah, I, I think it's Joe Milton from everything I've heard from how he's looked and practices and the scrimmages. I think he was brought here for a reason. I think Hendon mm-hmm. Hooker and Harrison Bailey, I think they bring pretty good elements to the table. But I think with a guy like Joe, and, you know, Joe, Joe's the guy that, that high school and some of the, the guys on his coaching staff recruited out of high school when they were at Missouri. So they do have that comfort zone that they have kind of kept their eyes on him for, for quite some time and able to get him to actually transfer in now to Tennessee. But, I think Joe is the guy, and I think right now they're just trying to figure out who's going to be the number one backup for him. Like I said, they both bring different elements to the table with Harrison Bailey. I think he's pretty good with the underneath stuff in this offense. I think he can throw a pretty good back shoulder throw with some of the post routes. I just don't know when it comes to the out routes if he's got that strong arm just yet that they're comfortable with. That's probably why you see a guy like Joe Milton being the number one guy right now. And then Hendon Hooker, he, he seems like from what we have seen so far at, at Tennessee and then, of course, at Virginia Tech as a starting quarterback there, seems like he's a little bit more run first. Uh, he, he does have a decent arm. He can make the defense uh, adjust a little bit more and get them out of position just with his half rolls uh, in this offense. But be interesting to see how many quarterbacks actually play in that first game next week against Bowling Green. Yeah, no doubt about it, because as a coach, you feel like you're you're much more talented and they're, they're probably going to beat them handily, but you also get to see all players and not just the quarterback, which is the most important position, but all the positions. And you kind of hold on to some players maybe, and you're talking about you know quarterback, is maybe who ends up being the third guy, maybe he doesn't enter the portal until after the season because somebody's not going to be happy. At the end of the day, whether it's now or after the season, uh, and see where it goes from here. No, you're exactly right, and it's maybe I know some people have been critical about Golish and Heifel not naming a starting quarterback just yet, because you do have to keep in mind you don't want to announce something too quick because we've seen other schools when you announce something a week out or two weeks out you have enough time for that player to, to transfer out and it's going to hurt your roster. And I think they are 
from a number standpoint, uh, Brian Mauer's already gone. Uh, if we go ahead and announce someone like Joe Milton right now, we do run the risk of maybe Hidden Hooker not want to be a backup. He, he's right. a senior. Mm-hmm. Maybe he wants to go to a group of five or FCS and, and actually play for his last year in college football. And I think that's why they also brought in Gaston Moore, the walk-on from UCF last year with Heupel, because he knows the, the offense. He has a decent arm. Maybe he can parlay this with guys transferring out into his scholarships in the future, but he is somebody from just knowing the system that they feel comfortable bringing in and just going through the motions of the quarterback room. Man, it's getting more and more like the NFL. We're on with Dan Harrelson, managing editor of the Balls Wire of USA Today. So, Dan, I, I got into reading this. It was real interesting stuff. You guys broke down Josh Heupel's offense by down from the year 2020 at UCF. What all did you come across when you broke down all those numbers? Yeah, I was just curious to see what what he would do on, like you said, each down, if it's more run or pass. And quite honestly, I think uh, I, I think he's just uh, the type of coach that really – in the heat of the moment, he, he sees what a defense uh, is presenting, and he just goes with it. I, I think, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, second down situations, depending on the yardage. But I think second down could be a actually be more of a passing type down. We'll see. Uh, I think last year also uh, with guys limited, they had a lot of opt outs. It, it kind of seemed different from the year before at UCF numbers-wise uh, is more as far as that they, they actually uh, were more balanced last year compared to his other two years at UCF. Well, and with him, that's something we've been told all along is, like, don't don't get it mixed up. Yeah, they like to spread the ball around and move fast, but they run the ball. They like to have a balanced attack. Right, yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, I think at SEC media days, he said, it was a misunderstanding of his offensive scheme that people think they just, because they go so fast that they think all they do is basically throw the ball and they don't, that they have a huge emphasis on the run game. And it is a different scheme from what he played in at Oklahoma. And I think that's why, uh, speaking of the offense, guys like Javante Payton, who could be a factor in this offense just because a guy like Mike Leach, who Heifel played for, it is a different scheme here at Tennessee with Heifel that he fits more into what Heifel's trying to do as far as going away from a lot of the air raid concepts, the, the meshing routes underneath, and maybe use him in, in those uh, rub-type formations that, that we've seen him do throughout spring and, and fall camp and at UCF. Who's been the biggest surprise uh, of this camp for you? Maybe somebody you didn't think would contribute or maybe you thought they'd contribute on a smaller level and, and you're c- convinced now, hey, this guy's really going to help out this fall. Yeah, I think I want to go defense on that one. And, you know, quite honestly, when we do go to practice and what little bit we do get to see, I'm more watching the offense. But uh, the last couple practices I did watch the defense a little bit more just because just trying to get a feel for the – especially the linebacker core. I think Aaron Willis, a, a freshman, I think he can step in and do some things just because they are a little bit thin in that spot. And guys like Juwan Mitchell and, and Aaron Willis, I think they're going to be asked to do a lot this season. So I think Aaron is a guy that can really come in and, and be a factor. I mean, sure, he's going to 
he's going to hit uh, a wall just like Jalen Wright probably has already. And But I think he's also going to have a, a lot of good moments, especially on the defensive side. Dan Harrelson joins us on Blaine and Mickey at Dan Harrelson on Twitter, managing editor for Vols Wire. Yes, Dan, do you think uh, now after seeing all the players come and go on the defensive side that the defense is not going to be, let's say, as bad as people have envisioned and that they, they got some quality players and that uh, that they may be better than ex- expected? I do. Uh, I still think it comes down to how this offense and this offensive scheme going so fast is going to dictate everything whether it be scoring really, really quick. We'll get a good taste of that against Bowling Green because Bowling Green is not the best team out there. And you're going to have three and outs. And this defense is going to be out on the field quite a bit. We'll just have to see how they can handle that through this gauntlet of a schedule as we're back to a normal schedule. But I think Heifel and Tim Banks and this coaching staff has hit the, the transfer portal Pretty decent compared to what they lost in Henry Toa Toa, Crouch, and some other guys. But I think with, with what Tim Banks said, the defense coordinator yesterday, that they're still trying to identify a good pass rush. Mm-hmm. And to me, that, that's probably on the defensive line. I think a guy like Tyler Barron in that Leo position, him and Byron Young, I think they can provide a pretty good rush, but I think they still want somebody to own the trenches up front and bringing guys in like Tremblay from USC. I think he's a pretty good body. He's a senior, so so he's gone through the Pac-12 college football that that competition. Uh, I think guys like Solomon at, at the uh, nose spot. I, I think he's a guy that that really needs to do something. I think he needs to step up and and start improving what chance he does have for any kind of NFL draft stock that he could have. But he really needs to show something. Elijah Simmons, another guy. They need those guys. And DeJon Terry, uh, the, the transfer from, from Kansas, they need those guys to start owning the trenches, and we'll see if they can do that. What position group do you think is going to be the strength? And then what position group, as of today, is the weakness? As far as offense and defense? Yes, combined. Mm-hmm. Offense, I would probably go running back. But I think water strength is pretty good too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's the the strength of the of the team. I think I think the defensive line or the offensive line could be the weakness. Mm-hmm. And I say offensive line basically just because you know going to SEC media days, you start seeing some of the players that Alabama and Georgia brought in on the defensive <laughs> line. I mean, yeah. you're thinking. Okay, I know Cooper Mays has has done pretty well to to add to his stature, but I mean, can, can people like him actually block these big dudes when you go against Georgia and Bama and Florida's got some guys too? So I think I I, I wasn't that nervous about the offensive line until basically SEC media days and you start seeing a shuffle with Darnell Wright over the left tackle. So we'll see. I'm, I'm kind of nervous about the offensive line, but I think the defensive line, kind of what Tim Banks said yesterday, that they got to start owning the trenches and, and providing that that pass rush. Just not these uh, these guys on the edge that we see lately in the Leo spots and the rush spots. Just to have that 
that pass rush to get into the backfield, I think you still have to get guys in the trenches in the in the backfield to cause some havoc. Well, with managing editor of uh, Balls Wire of USA Today, Dan Harrelson. Dan, on the way out, is there anything new with the investigation at all? I'm not sure. I've just heard that uh, Danny White, uh, I think the Knox News Sentinel had something on it that uh, it's still being investigated, and they put like a dollar amount. It may have been like $750,000 that they have spent on it. So... If I'm Tennessee, especially in this new era of name, image, and likeness, I, you know, I, I fought it to the end. I don't, I don't go in and self-impose too much. Maybe a one-year bowl ban, but I think in this new era of college athletics, I, I think you have to stand up to the NCAA, which we all know the NCAA right now their their current stature is not the best out there, and I think you just have to keep standing up to them. Dan, appreciate the time. Yes, sir. Uh, at Dan Harrelson, people can follow you there again. Managing editor for Vols Wire. Season's uh, a week and a day away, man. We'll talk again soon. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Yes. Thanks a lot, Dan. Dan Harrelson. All right. Uh, when we come back, starting quarterbacks, where there were questions, the answers are starting to come out. We'll share what we know with you about that. Next, it's Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone, hanging out with you today. Appreciate Dan Harrelson joining us. So, it's interesting. We got into this a little bit yesterday. We were watching the the Saints and the Jaguars. And, Saints. and I was telling my wife and my son, he's like, you know, let, he likes to go outside. And I said, just let me watch. I said, I have to watch this long-haired guy play quarterback for the team with the cat <laughs> on the helmet. And so, he's six, if you're uh, wondering why I talked to him like that. And I love the uniforms in the in the helmet. You do not like the Jaguars uniform or helmets. I like it okay. The two-tone helmet was the one that I hated. Oh, no, I love the two-tone helmet. Where it looked like it had thrown up on itself. Oh, it had the, the, the half gold and half gold. black. Oh, I loved it. I know you oh, liked it. I, I love two-tone. I even like two-tone shirts, golf shirts. Any, yeah, I like it. I don't know why. I had a two-tone 86 Chevy truck that I'd give anything to have back. I love two-tone. But, but not that God helmet. Oh, my Lord, no. That... That thing is as I ugly love that. as they a They got mud rid of it too. That was the greatest oh, move they ever man, made. Man, that was the hor- That was a horrible move. I love I, that two tone. That effort. thing looked like that was worse than like a, a, an AFL uniform, like oh, Arena League. Oh no, I did that not was, like that. Their, goes back to like NFL Europe. I did band. not like their mustard colored unis. Those are the worst things I've ever seen. Yeah, that was you know. Then when it got sweaty, it looked just like some. It looked like poop. Well, that when they would play the Titans in the color rash games, and the Titans had on baby blue, right, and they the were Smurfs, wearing, and they were wearing baby poo. It was yeah. baby blue versus baby poo. Yeah, it was the Smurfs versus baby poo. How could a billion dollar industry think? Yeah, that looks great. Let's do that. Yeah. How could you be that okay. out of touch? They like colors. Yeah. The Jags, be, though, that mustard yeah, color. Yeah, they just yeah. How about watch how horrible this team looks? Well, that's no different. How about than watch how horrible that that, well, that had to have been yeah. it? Like. Let's look at this well, joke. They, okay, look at this joke we're playing worse? on the Jags. The the mustard Jag. We weren't going to talk about this. Or the Steelers looking like they were in jail. The bumblebee looking striped thing that the Steelers had. That looked like it was nineteen forty. 
I, honestly, I don't know. They were both so bad. <laughs> and Ramon Foster, he probably wore that uniform. I, I, I'd be curious to say, did you hate wearing that uniform? Because oh, surely he did. My. Surely he hated it. I don't know. I, I can't answer that. I know I hated watching it. It was hard to look at, <laughs> um, for sure. So watching that game, it was interesting to Trevor Lawrence. You could see the traits that make him a first-rounder. But you could also say, like, okay, a rookie wouldn't – that's what a rookie quarterback does. Okay, that's a rookie mistake. Like, at one we talked about yesterday, they ran him on the, the bootleg where he was just going to get hammered by the defensive end, and he did. But he still he still had enough arm strength. He still made a decent throw. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. like, only – he made a first-round draft pick throw. Uh, and there were a couple other times where he didn't account for somebody on the pass rush or, you know, the line in front of him just couldn't take care of its business, and he got whacked. But he still made some strong throws. Mm-hmm. But I, we've talked a lot about this. About, so he got named the starter today, and Teddy Bridgewater got named the starter in Denver. So there's the, there's paying off the what we said we were going to tell you. Those those two guys have been named the starters. If you're the Jags, didn't you know he was going to start all along? Should you have given him more reps? Would that have helped him? Or, Blaine, does it go back to something that, that you've talked about a lot? Does the team need to see him win that job because a team always knows who the quarterback should be, even if it's the guy we're going to, have to play the young guy first, or we're going to play the the team always knows who's played well enough to be the starter. They know that no matter who gets named the starter or not by the coaches, the team knows. Yes, but you know the players will know. Not and sometimes before the coaches, and sometimes it's not the guy who has the most talent. Yeah, uh, it's the guy who the players follow, uh, and he leads them better. And I don't know if that's uh, Lawrence or, or Minshew. Uh, for me personally, going to a team that wasn't very good last year and your record was really bad, I probably would have thrown him out there with the first unit and said, hey, we got to go through our lumps. Yep. He's going to play. Uh, let's get the, get it over with. And, and Knowing him personally, we didn't give him the position. He still got to earn it because he's watching number two, Minshaw. Now, Minshaw was, uh, you know, played solid, I mean, last year in, in his you know years playing as a starting quarterback. So I probably, because some of those guys on the team actually know him and like him, mm-hmm. I'm sure, I probably would have tried to trade him. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want that because it, it will always – and he had Minshew mania mm-hmm. all across the country, not let alone in Jacksonville. So I probably would have tried to trade him and had another maybe veteran-style quarterback behind him to tutelage him along the way and give him some advice. And that way he felt comfortable. And then now there's no conflict on who should actually be the starting quarterback. And when I say that, it's because Minshew might have played better than him in training camp. And you don't want the players saying, Minshew should be the starter right now. Trevor Lawrence is not ready quite yet. Well, you're a horrible team. you got to throw the number one pick out there and see what happens. What I would have also done is I would have shored up my offensive line and make sure my quarterback has some really good protection. And I probably would have drafted an offensive lineman with that ETN pick, which was in the bottom of the first round instead of a running back, when you already had a stud undrafted running back right. the year before who had over 1,000 yards. So I think Urban Meyer is, is learning. I think he's a quick learner. He's going to realize that he doesn't have the the most talent now. He's not at Florida. He's not at Ohio State. Is The other teams are going to maybe have more talent or more experience at this point in time, mm-hmm. and you're going to have to figure out that uh, we have to take our lumps, and he's going to take some lumps too as a head coach and learn quickly and in a hurry of things that he can and can't do. Uh, and to me, their offense looked looked horrible to me in the first half versus the Saints. Now, the Saints defense is pretty good, but they, their offensive line needs help. So I think they got a couple guys that are veterans 
that were actually injured or have been injured, mm-hmm. and they get them back. So we'll see how much that helps their offensive line and make them better and then build up some of uh, Trevor Lawrence's confidence. So I think we all knew the number one pick had to play when your team wasn't very good last year. So, yeah. Sometimes you want them to earn it, but sometimes you go, we won all in when we drafted him. He's the guy. Sorry. We got to see if he's got the got the tools. Let's get it going. Let's start it sooner than later. This is a wrap anyway for the season. I don't think they're saying, oh, we're going to the playoffs. No. It, it, your whole goal should see how quickly can Trevor Lawrence develop this season, hopefully sooner than later, earlier. And, and like you've pointed out, it's the first overall pick, and you were terrible, or you wouldn't have had the first, first overall pick. pick. If anybody's going to understand, hey, we're, this is the guy from day one, he's the starter, it would have to be a team that has been as bad as they've been, and he's the first overall pick talent in the NFL draft which has the greatest athletic freaks that you can find for seven rounds. Just unbelievable. And this guy's the best of all. Think about it. Well, it's a different era, too, now with all these quarterback camps and 717. Quarterbacks come in a lot more developed than, let's say, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, So, yeah, I I think you got to put him out there. He looks a little mechanical, and he looks a little stiff and unsure uh, early. Uh, but I think that'll go away the more and more reps he does and gets to see the game, and it'll start slowing down for him and he'll start going through his progression reads and get rid of the ball. Understand he got to have a clock in his head. Blaine and Mickey, we got a clock in our head, and Lucas says that <laughs> clock is going off right now. So hour number two coming up, Jordan Dejani will join us in about 25 minutes with the latest from all around the NFL and a lot of Titans talk, too.